everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. My name is Gabe Estel. I'm here with my co-hosts, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Amazing. Excellent. Excellent. We're here for episode number 43, and we are just beyond stoked to have a special guest with us tonight. Mark Ford, uh, outstanding guitarist and singer-songwriter. Mark is right now working on his sixth LP, uh, which we're going to talk about tonight. But you also might remember Mark for his time with the Black Crows, Burning Tree, Ben Harper, as well as Booker T. So quite a resume, and we're really happy to have him. How you doing, Mark? I'm good. Good. Well, uh, before before we begin, I want to um, tell everybody, uh, Mark is working on a new record um, that uh, he's funding via the Kickstarter campaign. So we're going to share the website address with everybody uh, here at the end of the show, and then we'll post it on all of uh, our uh, outlets as well. Um, Mark, could you kind of just tell us a little bit about the Kickstarter campaign for the new record? Um, just kind of, you know how you turned to Kickstarter and uh, for one, also how the video was made. Cause it's really beautifully shot, man. Oh yeah. It was, um, that was some local guys that I met here in San Clemente. Uh, the guy does, um, Jeremy, uh, uh, I'm going to say his last name, um, Row, Rao, I believe he, he did the, uh, Nitro Circus video okay. stuff. And, um, so he just happened to move to, Frank Manning a couple of years ago and through a friend he, he wants to help out I think he's gonna travel with us and catch the opening uh, two opening gigs that are up north and then and at least part of the way making the record in the studio so he can document from the beginning that it kickstarted all the way to the end of it wow excellent well, it's, it's, it's yeah. gorgeous man it's really uh, it's it you know, just kind of encapsulates Southern California as well. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. It's a little neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah. But you, the, well, the, you know, go ahead. I'm man. sorry. Yeah, please go. Well, the, uh, the Kickstarter thing, I think just came from, it's kind of just the way you have to do things in a way. I mean, it's, it's kind of great. It's got it down on, on a real base level, you know, it's like, I have a product to make. If you, you want to pay for it directly, I can make it. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there's no middleman. Yeah. You're selling directly to your fans, and they're there's. I think that maybe they feel a little bit of ownership and and being part of the project, and so it kind of keeps it, you know, at a grassroots real. You know, it's great to be able to sort of meet some of the fans and some of the things that these people have done. I mean, they've, they've donated guitars and amplifiers and stuff to sell to, you know, it's, it's been really incredible to see people's kindness. You know, I, I was reading, I, you know, I watched the Kickstarter video and I think I read a press release or something like that. And you mentioned that you're, you're kind of setting aside the sensitive music. I, I put that in quotes here and I, I assume that's kind of the sound of the last record, Holy Ghost. Um, mm-hmm sort of in favor of a louder record, like cranking up the fuzz. Um, what sparked that decision? Why uh, Why go loud now? Not that I'm complaining. Um, just because uh, I just, you know, I already did the, the acoustic sort of down one. And, and in reality, it's, we're talking about a few years now. Yeah. You know, and 
we made the record. It came out two years ago. We might have made it three years ago. Um, so it's time to rock. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we like. I mean, that's just that's all there is. Uh, we like to hear. I just, yeah. you know, I I really like to keep myself interested, so I like to change things up quite a bit, and you know, sort of place myself into different scenarios. Mm-hmm. It keeps me on my toes, and because if I get bored in one place, I'm, I'm not really doing anybody any good. You know? Yeah. Right. Um, well, the sensitive music worked too, man. The last record was really gorgeous, by the way. So I definitely I compliment you on that. But I'm uh, I'm looking forward to you to turn up the amps as well. So yeah, I appreciate it. I, you know, I did. I hope it didn't come across as you know. I, I really enjoyed making the last. Oh record. yeah, I, I yeah. love it. Um, it's just you know you gotta. It's a natural progression. You gotta have. Oh. Yeah, it's just you know the Neptune Blues Club. It's it's not as a serious band and. And it's funky, and it's we've known each other. Why it's just fun. It's like you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a club. <laughs> you know. A little bit more about the Neptune Blues Club, man. Can you tell us about these cats that are playing on the record with you? Yeah. Um, well, we made a record together. I guess oh eight or nine or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, oh um, eight. Yeah. Yeah, and and the core four is what I kind of call it. Is, is uh, me and Anthony Arvisu, who owns the Compound Studio, and where we've been making records for quite a while. And then John, he's drumming, and then John Baz, um, who's been in the Blasters since day one, plays bass. Yeah. And then Mike Malone is is Long Beach's great blues troubadour. <laughs> so he plays keys and and sings and, and harmonica. And then um, when we got the full band, there's Stephen Hodges, who plays drums with Mavis Staples now. Oh, nice. And there's and stuff. And, and then there's uh, also Bill Barrett, who plays chromatic harp. Like, I mean, he can play like Arnett Coleman, you know, on harmonica. He's just, he's crazy. And he's, you know, awesome. amazing player. And so when the six of us go, it's it's one thing. But um, you know, I'm trying to make some money. <laughs> you know, so right. taking six people around oh, yeah. is absurd nowadays. Yeah. So yeah, that pie's got to be know. sliced a few more ways. Then yeah, it, yeah. So we're gonna cut it down and just you know get the four of us in there and just you know muscle it and have a good time. Do you plan on um, on uh, playing gigs outside of California, Mark, or uh, just sticking around? Uh, yeah. Southern California. Yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, I think a sort of a run in May is, is being worked out for the Northeast right now. Cool. For yeah, so hopefully to coincide with the record being done, if um, we can get it done that quickly. But yeah, definitely, and and you know, try to hit festivals and and uh, just get out there more this this year. We uh, yeah, we're really stoked about the record. Um, just kind of. Wanted to ask you a, a few other questions as well, kind of just about you know your your history playing guitar as as, as well as some uh, some other aspects. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit about the evolution of kind of your tone? You know, from when you were playing with Burning Tree to then playing with the Crows and then Ben Harper and you know Booker T and all the other cats that you played with to today. Like, I mean, do you approach it differently? Uh, do you feel like your tones like evolved quite a bit? Yeah. 
I mean, I'm sh- for sure it has. It, yeah. Um, you know, when I was 22, I was pretty squirrely and loud. <laughs> you know, probably probably played too much, and you know, and when I was 32, it, I kind of figured out I had a pretty good idea of what I was doing. And when I was 42, I was kind of reading. I don't, you know, 40 was is a strange year. It sort of it was like a recon recollecting, and I, you know, I'm not really sure what's how to say it, but just sure. um, a kind of um, an economy kind of started to happen, and um, I didn't, I could hear the notes before I started playing them, so uh-huh. I think it's more of a, a, a lyrical way to play, you know, I, I mean, yeah. I've always read from the, the greats that, you know, less is more, and, and you hear that, and as a kid, you know, like, but more is more, you know? <laughs> and then, and eventually you start, oh, okay, I get it. You know, a few choice words can cut a lot deeper than, you know, a mouthful of nonsense. So in that way it has, and then in various forms of playing uh, with different people and, and the side man or as a lead guy, or they all require different aspects of, of my playing. I don't really... I don't think, I don't know any more or any less when I go in different situations. Sure. I think I just utilize certain aspects of, of what I know. And, um, some things call for, you know, bigger, louder, fuzzier, you know, and some things are just, you know, whatever it's called for, which is kind of why I like so many different situations because I, you thing is to is to listen to what's happening and find out what's not in there and then try to get in there and find your place and it's like a conversation with a bunch of people you know you don't just run in there telling them what you think <laughs> you know you gotta right. hear how the conversation is going and sort of step in and add right. to it and not destroy it yeah and so this is jonathan mark uh so when you're collaborating with these musicians whether it's you know in the studio or on the stage uh, you've never felt intimidated or at a loss. You've just kind of rolled with it. Oh, totally. I have. I mean, you know, getting up on stage with the Allman Brothers and jamming the Southbound for the first time, Dickie's yelling at me, "It's a jumpy number in C, and I'll count it off, and you come in." With me. <laughs> you know, like, Whoa, okay. Uh, you know, but you just you just reach down and pull it up and go like, well this is what I asked for. <laughs> you know, I better stop it for else. You know, you don't really have a choice either, you know, sink or swim and, and hell. Yeah. Hit it. Or you, you walk away regretting it for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, Mark, um, you've played some gigs, uh, as of the last year or so with Mike Campbell of Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. Can you tell us kind of how that came to be? Well, when the, Crows did the uh, reunion tour in 05 and 06. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we did close to three months with Tom Petty. Yeah, I saw a couple and, of those shows. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're there every day with each other yeah. and and you just, you know, us guitar players, we speak the same language. So we just, 
we got to know each other over the tour a little bit, and um, he's always been real, real cool to me. And so, I don't know exactly how it happened, but he had a few shows, and uh, his booking agent got a hold of me, and and then um, yeah, I mean, I, unfortunately, I was only able to see or hear a little bit of it online, but it was it seemed like it would have been some great shows to to catch. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, it was a guitar geek. Yeah, that's but it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Mike's Mike's a great guy, and it's a great band when he's got. And, and um, he loved it. You know, he said this is the way the shows should be. You know, he said that to his booking agent, who was now my booking agent. And, right on. <laughs> yeah, it was just you know, Mike. Mike doesn't need to keep playing clubs. He He's just, he's still like a guitar player, rock and roll fan. And he gets to get out of the house and play, you know? Yeah. So he's still a little kid, just like the rest of us. Uh, obviously, you know, it, 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 Campbell's influenced uh, most guitarists, I think, who sit down to write a song. It's inevitable. Um, uh, I also, uh, but, you know, I, I hear a lot of Neil and Crazy Horse in your music, and that's always a good thing with me. Um, uh, is it safe to say Neil was an influence or crazy horse specifically? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just, you can't really explain crazy horse. (laughs) (laughs) It's a feeling. It's it's so wrong, (laughs) you know, and so right at the same time that, you know, they were just, I mean, they literally have to, like I've seen them where the drummer got off time in the middle of a long jam and had to recount it, you know, while everybody kept going. <laughs> you know, what I mean, just like really. That's how Neil likes you know? it. <laughs> yeah, they're just knuckleheads that make an amazing sound together. <laughs> Do you ever? Because you know, Neil has that that famous approach of just going in and recording it, like as soon as as he's inspired. Do you take the same approach, or are you, or are you a bit more methodical? Well, I don't like to know things too much before going to make a record. I kind of like to, it, I don't know if it's just procrastinate. I mean, it's, I could call it what it is, procrastination, but <laughs> um, there's something to be said about just, you know, instinctually not think overthinking it because your head can get in the way of music super quick. Mm-hmm. So, Go outthink yourself rather than just, you know, go for it. And usually your instinct is pretty correct, you know. And it's like with the band that you don't let anybody know too much. So you get, you get great guys, and then you go it goes like this: you ready, record, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so it it kind of forces everybody's attention to sort of really be in the moment and pay attention. You know, if they're great at their instrument. And, and and they can think on their feet, and you're going to get something special, you know. Mark, you know we mentioned Campbell and and uh, Neil Young. Uh, would you mind sharing just some of your other influences, uh, either like when you were growing up, you know, as a teenager or something playing guitar, or even influences that emerged more recently? When I was in, I think I must have been in very early high school um, when I got. Uh, this double record that was the Jeff Beck group's first two records, oh, yeah. and Beckola, and I just oh, yeah. I wore that thing out like, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then um, someone turned me on. You know, I'd heard Led Zeppelin. And someone played Machine Gun for me on this, like, super audiophile, hi-fi, you know, 100,000 watts. Like, just... (laughs) Oh yeah, you know it was incredible, and and I, I it just blew my head open. I like I didn't like I didn't know that was allowed. You know, what I mean? like <laughs> just the, the parameters just exploded. You know, and so Hendrix is always something I go back to for inspiration because he's still blowing my mind with that same those same three records. You know? Sure, yeah, stuff he, like he that. So is out. Time. So outside of the lines and so far ahead of anybody that was daring to do anything at the time. Yeah. And visceral and just beautiful and just incredible. Yeah. Well, so yeah, man, he's good. And Richard Thompson, I've learned oh, to yeah. love him. Nice. And then with you know with the Crows, I like I really got a great music um, education uh, because Rich and Chris's dad had a really incredible record collection. He was a okay. singer, yeah. so he would have every everything, like all the great records, you know, from from every genre, kind of. You know, there was a real breadth of understanding. And me growing up in the suburbs of California, you know, there was Judas Priest, and, <laughs> you know, and then and there was Kenny Rogers, and you know, it's like, Ugh. You know. <laughs> so hanging out with these guys, I really got to learn a lot about music that A, I didn't ever hear on the radio and B, I, I don't think I ever would have if I'd have stayed there, you know. Well, yeah, what was that kind of like to see the evolution of rock and roll on on the strip in the 80s? Um, I'm sure, it, you know, for better or worse, you know, it it, it definitely changed rock and roll. Yeah. Um Probably made it be- better again, <laughs> you know, because uh, when I was trying to play, I I was trying to, you know, I thought I was the Who and Jimi Hendrix and you know everybody else rolled into one. I I, I was living in you know the swinging sixties in London. Well, <laughs> there's spandex and big hair everywhere. <laughs> and, yeah. So it didn't really. It was. It was a bummer because uh, it was maybe it wasn't a bummer. It seemed like at times it was a little frustrating because there really weren't wasn't many clubs you could play. Yeah, um, there was one that rock and roll could be played at, and then so we had caused a little scene, and it might have caused me to you know push a little harder. Yeah, um, you know, scream a little louder to get seen, and angst is always a good form of energy to draw from when you're young making loud music so it seemed like guns and roses mark really shook that scene up quite a bit for the better in my opinion at least um were you able to catch i know you you kind of go back a ways with izzy right were you able to kind of catch some of those early gnr shows yeah uh, um they the rolling stone did a did an issue um with like the four gigs that made guns and roses in l.a before, okay, yeah. and I realized I was at every single one of them. Nice. <laughs> there was, cool. Yeah, there was the Roxy, and there was the Troubadour. There was a gig, um, the UCLA, and the Dorm, and there was one other one. And I'm, uh, I think was at all of them, but one. In fact, you could see me in one of the pictures, and, <laughs> and 
nice. And I, you know, I wanted to hate them, but they were just so incredible. And yeah, just, you can say what you want to about style, but they were for sure all in. And they, oh yeah, well, we're hard. We're, we're definitely pro pro Izzy here at this yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, biggest fans. They 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 were doing it as hard as they could. Yeah, they, their influences seem to run a little deeper than some of the bands that kind of came immediately before them. You know, like they, you know, they liked Aerosmith. You know, they liked, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know, like Duff kind of had a, a sort of a punk influence that he brought in as well. So it was some good shit. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I think they loved it a, a lot. They loved it enough to re- to research and go back and, mm-hmm. you know. The farther you dig backwards, the better your frontwards is going to be. Mark, I want to talk about a little bit um, some of the production work that you've done. Um, we actually have some mutual friends in the Steepwater Band. Um, I've I've known those guys for quite a while, so um, mm-hmm. I really dug dug your work with uh, on their record uh, a few years back, and then you worked with Ryan Bingham as well. Um, are you working yeah. with some 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 other acts right now, like on the production end? Uh, no, um, there's not a lot of people with money. Right, right, yeah, the industry. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't, I haven't gone out and beat people's doors down to sure get to let me produce them. It's it sort of just fell into the natural progression of things. You know, I've made quite a few records and learned quite a few different aspects about being in a band, being a leader, being a sideman, recording with the various people. So. It just made sense to take all of this information that I've learned and to be able to use it to help someone else sort of realize their dream, you know, and teach them a little bit how to do it. And Ryan, I found in the middle of the night, literally, and said, I, you know, I have to record you, you know. Yeah. And so that was a, a great thing, and it was a lot of fun. And, and well, thank Deep you for band. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a great, yeah. great record. Yeah, yeah, all thank his you. records. Yeah, I love it. Man, but yeah, that one in particular. Yeah. And Phantom, Phantom Limb was a, was a really a fa- fantastic right. record that was unfortunate and didn't get a chance to live its life out. But um, And Steepwater Band, um, I met them in Spain, and I just said, you know, I'm producing a record. I'm, they were going to make a record. I said, let me do it. You know, come to California. And so they were coming to California and they sent some demos of some other records that they made. And I was, I remember sitting there going like, oh no, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Like it was, it was literally like bar music and it was, I didn't think it was recorded all that good. I remember them being better watching them play live. Uh-huh. And then, um, I'm driving to the studio to just start the first day and I'm, listening to my iPod and all of a sudden Thin Lizzy came on and for some reason I knew exactly what to do with the band uh, and I don't think it sounds anything like Thin Lizzy but there was something about what I had heard I go that's the direction kind of you know and we got in there and the hardest thing to do about producing is to get people to unlearn some bad habits you know mm-hmm. when we're self-taught we kind of get into some we miss the fundamentals of you know, just to, you know, kick, kick drum and bass. They live together, <laughs> you know, and don't rush the beat and all these things you learn from getting your ass kicked over the years. Mm-hmm. And I try to teach it to guys in the studio. And there's, 
you're met with a little bit of resistance. And then they finally come around and go, oh, okay, I'm hearing what you're doing now. And then once they've changed their mindset, then they kind of do it on their own. You know, I've, I've seen Steepwater since, and, and they're thinking a lot more clever, and, and having the added guitar is a great plus. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they're working on a new record now. So, yeah. Yeah. Excellent, man. Yeah, Mark, um, talking about playing, you know, with other guitarists, especially in kind of like you mentioned playing with Dickie Betts, in in a scene where you're having kind of multiple leads, what creates good chemistry between between guitarists? Is it something that's like it just has to be there, or is it something that can kind of grow and you can learn? Or I think great players play like who they are and their personality comes through and you know it's like some people you get on with right away and some people it takes a little while and some people you just can't stand you know, immediately <laughs> right and it's it, it translates the same playing music together and um you know dickie and i are friends you know he he's a really cool guy and i know his son real well i know it made sense i got what they were doing and and we weren't too far from the same cut from the same cloth, I think, just a generation behind them. And we learned a lot from them, you know. I've been listening to them quite seriously. So. And speaking of, you know, you had your collaborations uh, back in the day, I guess, uh, with whether it be Government Mule or even uh, even the project with Blue Floyd. And, and we were uh, certainly catching a lot of that as it was happening. A lot's changed uh-huh. since then. Um, does uh, your perspective of how the music industry's changed, both kind of as an industry and the live setting, uh, is it for the better? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like that grassroots thing. You know, I was talking about it. It's great. Um, you can connect to your audience, and I guess it's pure. Like I don't have to fit into some business guy's decision of what's going to sell or not because I'm surely not in fashion very often <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know and so therefore unless I had a huge record I really wouldn't be making records you know right. now I have direct contact with fans the, I mean the problem is there's just a sea of music to choose from and it's hard to sort of wade through all that but I guess it's like anything, you know, you, you get into certain social circles and you get turned on to things and, and, you know, it's, there's not as much money around, but it's direct between the artist and, and the listener, I think. Yeah. A greater percentage is going straight to the people it should be going yeah, to. Yeah. A lot more pure because I don't have to bend what I do to please some guy that's loaning me money. Well, Mark, man, we're we're about ready to wrap it up here. But the other kind of uh, the other uh, part of our show is baseball, and uh, I don't I don't know. Are are you a fan? Are you a Dodgers fan, or did you did you grow up uh, um, following baseball, or not really? Uh, I I never really followed sports. I mean, I I like a good game when it's a good game, um, but I don't follow stats and game. I, I really. I sure. didn't even know it was Super Bowl Sunday today. I <laughs> awesome. I mean, That's cool, I did man. play baseball for a few years. <laughs> okay. What position did you play? Uh, 
I was actually Troy Aikman's relief pitcher in second base. What? Yeah, okay. we played little league together for one year, and he was he was winging that thing, man. When <laughs> as a little kid, um, he was amazing. Yeah, you have a bigger connection so that, to Super Bowl Sunday than we could have ever imagined. Right? Yeah, right. And baseball at the same time. <laughs> and baseball. Right. That's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our last question that we ask our guests, Mark, it's baseball related. If if it was, let's say you, you did invest more in baseball and it was Mark Ford's first big league at bat, what would be your walk-up tune, man? Like the tune you walk <laughs> or, up or to. Or for, when for that play. matter, when you were in Little League, what would have been your walk-up <laughs> right, tune? Right, or then. Yeah, then or now, I guess. Uh, Lionel Rich is easy, I think. Nice. Wow. Nice. Good answer. Good answer. Nobody won that pool. Smooth operator. Cool. Mark, thanks so much for uh, for talking to us tonight, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. I'd like to thank Mark Ford for that outstanding interview. Please check out Mark's music at markfordmusic.com. You can find him on social media, Twitter at markfordmusic. Facebook.com slash Mark Ford Music, as well as please check out his Kickstarter campaign for the new record. As for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Rock in Chew. That's in as in the Neptune Blues Club. Uh, so you can find us there. Uh, also, you can find out everything about rock and roll Shinsu Chew at rockchew.com. That's rockchew.com. You can find previous episodes links to albums we've talked about and artists we've discussed and just a lot of other fun stuff about baseball and rock and roll. So until next time, everybody have a good one and we'll see you soon. Good night. Peace. Good night.